glad that it is relevant. I'm glad it's still true. I'm glad we can apply it to our lives. And I'm thankful that uh, God gave it to us in our language and uh, where we can understand it. You know, there um, people have invented gods with their mind and they don't know what their God is thinking or what he expects or what he's doing or anything else. I'm glad our God's not like that. He has given us his word. He's revealed it to us, and I'm glad we still have it uh, today in front of us because he promised it'd be pure and preserved to every generation. And I believe, I have enough faith, Brother Preston, to believe that every generation includes this generation, so I'm thankful that we have it today. But for our second Kings will be in chapter 4. It says this uh, in verse one. Now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets of Elisha, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead. And thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord, and the creditor is come to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen. And Elisha said unto her, What shall I do for thee? Tell me, what hast thou in, thy ha in the house? And she said, Thine handmaid hath not anything in the house save a pot of oil. Uh, then he said, Go, borrow thee vessels abroad from all thy neighbors, even empty vessels, borrow not a few. And when thou art, art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons, and shalt pour out unto all all those vessels and thou shalt set aside that which is full so she went from him and shut the door upon her and upon her sons and brought who brought the vessels to her and she poured out and it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said unto her son bring me yet a vessel and he said unto her there is not a vessel more and the oil stayed then she came and told the man of God and he said go sell the oil and pay thy debt and and uh, live thou and thy children of the rest. Lord, we thank you again for another chance to come into your house. We thank you for your word. And Lord, I pray as we dig into this passage, Lord, that you'd help me to preach. Lord, help us to hear, open up our hearts and minds tonight. And Lord, we thank you for what you're going to do. Lord, we already read this morning your word. You said it would not return void. And that's not because of any uh, special abilities I have. It's because you promised uh, that it would go out according to your purpose. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And amen. amen. So Elisha was the one that preceded Elijah. And remember there, uh, just before Elijah was taken up in the chariot of fire, he asked for a double portion of his spirit. And uh, so some of the, uh, you know, Elijah had miracles, so did Elisha. And I want to look at one of these miracles today uh, because I believe it helps us to, uh, you know, to learn from it, to apply it to our life. And, you know, some of the miracles, they're not as easy to apply to our life, but that's okay. Uh, I like digging into the Bible. And, you know, sometimes it's good to have a little bit of a challenge. Uh, this story is uh, probably one of the more familiar ones of Elisha's life. Uh, but I want to dig into it. We might have to slow down a little bit, but that's okay too. Uh, but we see it starts out with a problem, right? The story has a problem. This woman, uh, it's a certain woman, so we know it's not a parable or anything like this. This really happened. She came, uh, uh, verse 1, Now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead, and thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord, and the creditor is come unto him, uh, my two sons... 
Come unto him, my two sons, to be bondmen. So uh, the story starts out again. We have a problem. She's coming to Elisha, and she says her husband's dead. And we see he's one of the sons of the prophets, or sometimes the Bible talks about a school of the prophets, but basically this is a kind of a religious school, a seminary. They're following, you know, Elijah and now Elisha, learning uh, about the scriptures, learning uh, about following God and everything else. So this uh, young man was a student of the word uh, and he passed away. We don't have any details, but I'm guessing it was at a young age. Uh, he was married. He had two kids, but, uh, you know, it doesn't seem like he was advanced in age or anything like this. Uh, but she mentioned that he feared the Lord. So this was a, a righteous man. I mean, he uh, wanted to follow God, wanted to serve God, feared the Lord, uh, served Elijah, served Elisha. But now he's died young. He's left behind his wife and his two sons. So number one, we know uh, that just being a widow in those days was extremely hard, right? We didn't, they didn't have the automatic where the government would take care of you or anything else that we might have today. And not only did she face uh, this uncertain future alone, but also they had a lot of debt. And that's what she's saying. They, they had owed debt and the creditor was coming. He was going to demand repayment and she didn't have it, right? I mean, she, she couldn't pay. Uh, so the alternative in those days is take those two sons and they would work off the debt. And this could be seven, 10, who knows how many years, uh, at least into the year of Jubilee. Uh, so we don't know. It could have been a very long time, uh, but most definitely years long. So she is facing a widow uh, and then not being a widow. But not only that, if her sons are gone uh, away to work for the creditor, she's all by herself. Again, no means of providing for herself or anything else. Uh, so uh, this is the problem that we have. And remember, this morning we talked about it, didn't we? We talked about scenarios where you're asking God. And she might have uh, there for a minute asked God, why me? Why is this happening to us? We've dedicated our lives to you. Like we're, uh, you know, my husband was dedicated to serving you. And, and, and why, why did he die? And when, especially when you, something bad happens in a Christian's life. And then they look out and say, why do the wicked prosper, right? Why do these around me that don't follow you, uh, what happens? And we just remind ourselves from this morning real quick, Isaiah 55, 8, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. Again, it's an easy verse to read, right? You can read it really quickly. You could uh, probably memorize it pretty easy, but when it hits you, when it hits your family, when the bad uh, thing happens and you, it's tough to trust the Lord, isn't it? It's always easy to trust God when you don't need him, right? It's in the hard times. That widow, I thought about this, she could have given up, couldn't she? She could have just quit and said, you know what, I'm done. I'm done with God. She could have been mad at God, shaking her fist at God and said, I'm, I, we're leaving. I'm done. But instead, she does the right thing. Do you notice what she does? Now, in that day, uh, you couldn't go straight to God, but she went to the man of God, right? She went to the prophet, God's messenger. She went to him uh, and, uh, and asked and brought her problem, to, uh, her issue to him. And here's the thing. Uh, whatever happens to us, the first step is we need to take our problems to God. Amen? We need to take them to him and say, God, here's the problem. You know, he already knows the problems that we have, but I, I think he wants us to just come, lay it out 
at his feet, just pour our heart out to him, just be honest with him and say, God, I have nothing. Uh, Lord, uh, you said you'd never leave me. Use some verses of scripture to back it up and just pray to him and trust him. So that's what she does. Verse 2, Elisha said unto her, What shall I do for thee? Tell me, what hast thou in the house? And she said, Thine handmaid hath not anything in the house save a pot of oil. And you know, this is something I notice over and over in the Bible. I think we overlook it a lot. But do you realize that God does this a lot? He asks, Not what do you not have, right? What are you missing? You realize the devil does that. He points out what you're missing and what you don't have. God asked, what do you already have? Right? That's what happened. That's what she said. What do you have that you can dedicate to him? Right? What did he do to Moses? He didn't ask Moses, what do you not have? Moses came to God with what he didn't have, right? Trying to convince God that he couldn't speak well as he's arguing against God. And God asked the question, what's in your hand, Moses? Right? Because God could use a dead stick to free a nation. Amen. That's what he did. What do you have? And then not only that, Jesus used, remember the, the wedding of Cana? Remember that? They run out of wine. And what did he do? He said, take those pots you already have, fill them with water you already have, and then I'll do the rest. Amen. And over and over again. How did he feed the 5,000? He could have invented animals and he could have, uh, they could have cut it up. They could add lunch and everything else. No, he said, what do we have out there, right? A couple loaves and a few fishes. And that was enough to feed the 5,000 and more. But here's the thing. If he's asking what you already have, number one, you can't argue with God and say you're missing anything, right? You can't tell God, I don't have enough. Right? That's what the devil's trying to convince us is we don't have enough, but we can't use that argument when God says, what do you already have? That's what I want, and I want you to dedicate. But also, it forced the woman to really take a look and realize how desperate her situation was. If she didn't already know it, she's saying, hey, all we have is just this one pot of oil. Remember, she had debt. She had her two sons. She had this pot of oil. And really, we think of pot as a big thing. But in all reality, uh, the way that word is, it probably means about this. The oil for anointing. Just a little, little amount. And that's it, Right? This is all I have in the entire house. That's nothing, right? That's nothing. So he's asking, what do you have? But you know what I like in the previous chapter? God saved the nation from the Moabites and the other uh, armies that went together and gathered together. And he did that with what they already had. Amen. In fact, the miracle is pretty similar to this one. Uh, if you go back and look at it, but he cares for the nation. But then in this chapter, he says he cares for the individual. Amen. Yeah, Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad he cares for our, I'm glad he cares for our nation. I don't want to live in a nation that God is not watching over. Amen. I don't want to live in, Now we don't deserve his protection. We don't deserve his blessings. 
things. We don't deserve what we have today, but I'm thankful that there's just enough Christians in the United States praying, just enough left. I tell you what, I feel like some days we're just the, the 10 or 12 or 15 left in Sodom before God said, once that gets down even lower, then I'm taking it out. I believe that's how we are sometimes today, but I'm glad he still has a hedge of protection. You know, if God lifted it, even for a second, this nation would be attacked just like that. We've seen it before, amen? He cares for us. He cares for the nation, but he also cares for the individual. And I'll tell you what, he cares for the widows, and he cares for the fatherless, and that's exactly the situation we had. They were in need. They called on God. God listened, and God responded. So here's the instructions. Verse 3. Go borrow thee vessels abroad of all thy neighbors, even empty vessels. Borrow not a few. And when thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons, and shalt pour out unto all those vessels, and thou shalt set aside that which is full. So here's the instructions. Go to your neighbors. Borrow empty vessels. Notice, and here's where we got to slow down a little bit. You teach it to kids a lot, and you kind of speed through it. How many vessels did he ask her to get? He didn't say. He didn't throw a number out there, right? How many houses? Now, he did answer this question. How many neighbors? He said all of them. Read it. Yeah. All of them. You go to all of them and ask. And then he says, borrow not a few. And then, once you've done that, take all those inside your home, you and your sons, right? Shut the door, just you guys, and start pouring it out, right? Till everyone is full. So if you pause right here, now you gotta imagine this is you in this circumstance. Remember, all you've got is this, that's it, in the whole house. Widow, no hope, two sons are about ready to become slaves to pay off the debt, and that's all you have. Now Elisha's given you these instructions. Now you gotta pause for a minute and ignore the fact you know the rest of the story, but what would you do, right? right? What could she have done? She could have walked away and said, that's crazy. Right? There's no way I'm doing that. There's no way. Let her sons go into slavery. And who knows what happens with her life. Or she could go to each neighbor's house and start borrowing vessels. And have conversations. And I'm sure some of those conversations would be tough. Have you ever talked with somebody when God's laid something on your heart and you've talked to somebody about it and you're trying to explain to them what God wants you to do and what God's called you to do and you're, you're trying to follow the spirit, right? You're trying to walk by faith and they're using logic on the other side and they don't understand. Why on earth would you do that? I bet she had some hard conversations. Don't you, her and her sons, but they did it anyway. Amen. She went to her neighbor's house. And that's the thing. Would she go to a handful, maybe just her good friend neighbors or all the neighbors? Now, you and I know if you live in a place long enough, you've got neighbors that are nice and neighbors that are not so nice. He said all of them. Amen. Ooh. Go to all of them. And how many vessels would she ask for each house? I don't know, but she needed a lot. Need a lot of them. Really, it was free to her to decide how to respond. And that's what we see with God, isn't it? He gives us free will. He says, here's what I want you to do. Here's where faith comes in. And now you decide. What are you going to do? How would you respond? And again, we know how she responded. She did it. 
Verse 5, she went out from him, shut the door upon her and upon her sons who brought the vessels to her, and she poured out. Guess what I don't see, right? You don't see verse 4 and a half say she argued, right, with Elisha. There's got to be a different way, right? Remember Naaman? He was arguing about going to a different river uh, and different things. And in fact, she doesn't even respond to the prophet, you know what some of us do is God tells us to do something and we make this big thing back to God or back to God's representative or to the pastor or somebody else or to a Christian brother or sister and say, you know what, God's called me to do this, so I'm going to do this and 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 then sit down and do none of it, right? She didn't do that. She just started walking. All right. If I got to go to the neighbors, I'm going to the closest one and starting. Here we go. That's what she did. Didn't argue. Didn't respond, walked away by faith and did. And here's the thing, that's what God wants us to do. And that's the hardest thing to do. Amen. Not to sit there and think about it and stew about it. Not to think of other options. Not to go through the house again and see if you can find some money hiding somewhere. But just merely hear what God says and say, you know what, I'm going to do it and just do it. That's the hardest thing, but that's exactly what she does. Starts doing and here's the thing, you and I don't always do that, amen? We don't always, right off the bat, immediately obey. But I'll tell you what, if you look back in your life and you're honest with yourselves, the times where you did immediately obey God always had the best results, amen? Always, always. So the door's shut, right? The house is full of borrowed empty vessels, and she starts opening this up, right? The oil that she has, she's got a bigger vessel and starts pouring it out, right? And what happens? Now, science and logic will tell you, you start pulling th pouring this out into a bigger vessel. All you're going to do is move this into the other vessel. It's going to be empty and you're done, right? About five seconds, you're done. That's not what happened. Right. Amen? Amen? She starts pouring and that little thing fills up the bigger container. She says, pass me another one. She starts pouring that out, keeps pouring, pass me another one, and goes on and on and on until she asks for another one, and they say, that's it, we're done. We're out of them. And you're thinking, my goodness. I'm glad, aren't you, that God is bigger than science. He's bigger than logic, right? With just those three words, the oil stayed, right? It didn't run out. It should have, right? It should have been empty, but the oil stayed. She filled them all up. And that's why I've said it's easy when you know this story to respond like the woman did in hindsight. You know, it's easy knowing that God did it for her and, you know, we would have no problem. But do we really respond with as much faith as she does? Do we really respond like this? Because what do we want? We want the oil to freely flow, don't we? We want the problem solved. We want God to move, right? That's what we want. That's what, we want the result at the end. But the Bible, do you notice the formula? Obedience plus faith, then the oil flows, right? You obey which is not disobeying, right? I mean, we get simple with it, but you obey. But it's not just obeying, obeying with faith, 
right? She had to trust. She could have obeyed without faith and got a container as big as this one and poured it from one into the other and got nothing. But she obeyed with faith and God produced the results. Now, again, we've read this story. We've heard this story. We've got to slow down more. So she's done. They were locked in the house. Vessels are filled up. They filled up every one that they borrowed. It's done. And she does another thing that's kind of outstanding. Right? She still's got the debt. Right? Her creditors are still coming. Her two sons are about to become servants. And she's got a house filled with these vessels full of oil. Look at verse 7. Then she came and told the man of God. And he said, go sell the oil and pay the debt and live thou and thy children of the rest. You notice she does not assume what to do next. Right? right? God gave her instructions. She did the instructions and she went back to God. Now that's outstanding. I don't do that very often. I look at myself and I very rarely. I I get some instructions from God. and, And when I follow them, then I say, you know what? I think I got it from here, God. Right? I'll figure it out from here. And who knows what she would have done. Maybe she'd have done the right thing. I don't know. Uh, Because I I tell you what, God's had to clean up a lot of my assumptions over the years. Amen. He's had to clean up the messes that I've made. uh, But she does not assume that. Because, you know, you can get ahead of God, right? She doesn't get ahead of him. She wants to know what the next step is. So then the next step, of course, is to sell the oil. And here's the thing. Her faith was enough to not only pay off her debt, right? And that all depended on how many. Now we get to the end, we realize it all depended on how many vessels she borrowed. If she didn't borrow enough, she couldn't have even paid off the debt or anything, but she did. And not only did she borrow enough to pay off the debt, but she had enough oil. Do you see that? Uh, 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 Pay the debt and live thou and thy children of the rest. She borrowed so many. She could live the rest of her life off of that. You're thinking, my goodness, what faith are we talking about here? What obedience? God takes care of the widows and the fatherless. And by her obedience and faith, she got this lifelong retirement plan. So God gave her enough to take care of her from that day forward. But I don't believe that she ever quit relying on the Lord. Because when something like that happens, you know what it tends to do? It tends to remind us, hey... I need to keep going back to God. Amen? Amen. Right? She would have found relief. Or I'm sorry. She wouldn't have found relief. She wouldn't have even had this better life. See, a lot of times we try to imagine, we try to go to God and say, God, here's what I need. And she could have said, God, just pay off the debt. And he might have, he could have done that. She just went to God and said, hey, I'm in need. And waited for him. And he responded. So by faith, she found relief. By faith, she got a better life going forward. And if she would have walked away faithless after those instructions, or if she would have walked away with just a few vessels, we wouldn't have seen the end of the story. And like I said, this is a true historical story. This was a certain woman. This really happened in Elisha's life. But I'm reminded of Romans 15, 4. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, 
that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. So here's the thing. If you're reading a story like this, you've got to stop and ask yourself, how does this apply to my life? Maybe I'm not a widow, right? And I'm not a widow left with two sons. And I'm not a widow left with two sons in the time period of this, right? And I don't have just a, a little thing of oil. So how does this help me? And that's one of the keys. As you're going through the Bible and you're studying the word, this is great that we understand what happened in our life. That's always the first step. What actually happened and, and what drove these things. But then the next biggest thing is how do I apply that to me? Right? How do I use this to help me? And I think one of the definite things is we can see she's an example of great faith. Right? Instant obedience. And then just, uh, I mean, they just did exactly what God said. She didn't get ahead of God and anything else. And then asking ourselves, where can we do this in our life? Is there something in our life right now where God, we've gotten the message, not from Elisha, but from God. He's told us something. He's pointed us in a direction. And he said, hey, God, you can borrow some vessels or whatever he's told you to do by faith. You haven't done it yet. Because you're still... Trying to convince God that his plan is wrong. Right? We've all been there. Or maybe you're using excuses of what you don't have. He didn't ask her to go. Right? He said you use this oil that you already have. You go borrow what your neighbors already have. Right? Or maybe we've gotten ahead of the Lord. And he's given us a set of instructions. I don't even remember who I was talking to. But I was talking to one some brother this week and I was saying hey God does not call me to preach every morning he doesn't call me every Sunday every Wednesday he called me to preach a long time ago right he doesn't call me to pastor every day he called me a handful of years ago to pastor you know why because I'm just to keep doing what he's called me to do until I get new instructions and if I don't get new instructions for 10 years, I stay at the post that I'm at and do what he's called me to do. And I know for some that that's, that's hard because they want a constant, uh, you know, they want constant instructions. God doesn't do that. He didn't do that with Abraham. He didn't do that with Mo. I mean, go through the different ones. And, and a lot of times there are huge periods of time where he just says, hey, here's what I want you to do. And you just do it. That's what he wants for us. But here's the thing. This woman set the bar high. But if you can't meet the bar, aren't you glad he's merciful? Yes. Amen? He's patient. He's loving. And he's there. And we got his word. And we can use this for our learning. The next time we're in a problem, what do we do? Take it straight to God. Yes. Amen? Amen. And then when God gives us something, gives us some instructions, instead of having this long conversation about what you will do and might do, thought about doing, or excuses or anything else, just do it. Amen? And don't get ahead of God. Ask Him what next. Lord, I've done this, now what? You know what sometimes that means? For the New Testament church today, I know some people are waiting for huge instructions from God. Those may come. But until they do, 
serve where you're at. Yeah. Amen. We can use you right here. And maybe next year you'll have this huge call and we'll be excited about it. But until then, serve him now. Amen. Because who knows, this may be where he wants you. Right here for such a time as this. All right, we're going to open up the altar.